0: amen hey well good morning good morning and welcome to tri Cities church Uh, we're glad you're here hey if this is your first time here i'm wesley i'm one of the pastors here and i would love to meet you after service and talk with you and get to know you um also valerie mentioned you know the filling out the cards if if you're a guest with us this morning uh, if this is your first time or even if you're not a guest and you have something you want us to be praying about uh, please do fill out one of those cards, and there are buckets on the table. There's a time after the message that we'll uh, share in communion, and also the offering goes in those buckets as well. And you can drop those cards in those buckets, and they'll get to our staff, and we'll uh, pray with you. Now, I've said this before, we really do pray on Monday mornings. We gather right back here uh, in, our, in our room back here that we meet, and we pray um, We pray for everyone that submits uh, prayer requests. And we also We believe that God knows things that we don't know. You know, believe that, right? Wow. God knows things that we don't know. And so we ask God, right, more than anything, not just for things that we're open and honest and we lay out before people. And we say, hey, this is what I need help with. We say, God, you know what each and every person um, that's part of this community is going through. And God, would you you help them? Um, Would you be with them? Would you walk with them? Would you strengthen them? Would you give them uh, peace um, that passes their understanding? And because here we are in in the Christmas season, season, Advent, right? We talked about Advent a little bit last week. It simply means coming or arrival. It's a season. It's on the Christian calendar. Some churches really celebrate it and play it up and have Advent wreaths and Advent candles. Others uh, don't do anything quite so extreme. Um, But here we are in this season, and it's a difficult season to be in for many. Um, There's different things that memories and hardships and struggles that we think about. Um, And we want to be sensitive of all those things. So we're praying. Know that we're praying for you. And we'd love to walk with you during or through any difficult thing that you're going through during this season. Hey, our middle school uh, Bible study is meeting this morning. If you see these middle schoolers with Kim and Sed, y'all can stand up, wave your hands. Uh, uh, Miss Kim and Mr. Cedric, um, they are leading our middle school Bible study, which meets every other week. So they're leading that. So if there's any other middle schoolers, you can go with them. All right, so this, this week is our second week in our adventure uh, series. And uh, we, last week we saw, we looked at the beginning of the story of Mary and the angel that came uh, to Mary with a very special message. This week we're going to continue off from that series. So let's pray before we get into the message. God, we give you thanks. God, we give you thanks that, that Christ has come. And we give you thanks that um, an advent has happened, that God has arrived on earth in the flesh. And that he came with a purpose and a mission that he not only or did not set out to accomplish on his own, but a mission that he called us human beings, other people living in flesh, in their bodies to join him. And so God, as we read the scriptures this morning, I pray that you help us to understand what it means to be people living, hearing the story of Jesus and determining what we'll do with it. So God, please guide us this morning as we study the scriptures. It's in your son Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. All right. So last week we began uh, with the story of, of Mary, right? And there's this angel that visited Mary with this very special message, right? This frightening message but this message that also brought mary great joy and that was that she although she was engaged to be married and had not quite been with her husband in a way that would produce children um, that she was going to become uh, pregnant right and that she was going to give birth to a son and that she was supposed to call that baby boy that she was going to give birth to jesus Now, Mary did not get pregnant in the good old-fashioned way, right? This was a miraculous conception. The scriptures say that the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and a miracle is going to happen there. And though you are young, and though you're engaged, and though you've never been pregnant before, and you don't even know what to expect, you're going to be pregnant, and I will be with you. And the word of the Lord will be fulfilled in you. Now, I love John's story of the birth narrative in John chapter 1, because he lets us know exactly what what happened there. Because Jesus didn't come into existence, right, when when he was conceived in Mary, but he was in existence prior to, right, this whole story went down. In fact, when we read in John chapter 1, it lets us know that Jesus was there from the beginning, and in fact, everything that we look at All that we experience, all that we see, right? Everything that has been created, that was created by God, Jesus was a part and played a role in that. Look in John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word. Now, when John's here, he he uses this word, Word. He's talking about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was was made that has been made and then if you just jump down to verse 14 he says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so here we have this Jesus who was there from the beginning, who existed and was involved in the creation of the world, was conceived in Mary. And so Mary, you could say, was giving birth to a very special boy. It was God who chose to enter the world in human flesh to become like us, to go through many of the same challenges and struggles that we go through. He chose to become a part of our world, a part of human community. And you read in the scriptures of Jesus experiencing real pain, right? of Jesus really crying, crying real tears. You read in the in the scriptures of Jesus going through real life struggles because he was a real man that came through Mary that entered into this world. Now, I love the book of Matthew. Now, you have these four gospels in the Bible. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They begin the New Testament, the second half of the Bible. Now, in the book of Mark... And Mark gives us another, uh, another perspective on this birth story. And Mark tells us what was going on in Joseph's head. Now, Joseph was Mary's fiance. So you have Mary who was engaged to be married to Joseph. Joseph was a good guy. The angel comes to Mary, tells Mary, you're going to be pregnant, right? And you have not yet been with your husband in a way that would lead to a baby, right? You haven't yet done that. And you're only 12 or 13 or 14 and and you're gonna have to explain this to joseph and matthew gives us um joseph's joseph's take on this whole thing in matthew chapter 18 i mean chapter 1 verse 18 it says this is how the birth of jesus the messiah came about his mother mary was pledged to be married to joseph but before they came together she was found to be pregnant through the holy spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So here they are, they're engaged, and Joseph decides to do the honorable thing. Now, in biblical times, when it says divorce, right, if you're engaged, if that commitment has been made. That's, that commitment is strong like marriage. And so to say that he chose to divorce her is to say that he chose to separate for her from her and not to marry her. Right. Because he wasn't sure what had gone on. Right. You know, you can imagine what was going on in his head. He wasn't quite sure whether she was telling the truth or not. He chose to divorce her, but to do it secretly, because according to the law, she could possibly face death or stoning. And so Joseph was a good guy that chose to do the honorable thing. Right. He chose not to expose this lady and allow his fiancee, or at least the one who is his ex fiance to uh, possibly experience uh, death. But God chose or challenged him to do something a little bit different. Look at the story. It says, But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is of the Holy or from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. And so this angel explains to Joseph what uh, what is actually taking place there and challenges him to do something differently. The angel challenges him not to just do what is honorable, not to stop there, but to do what's faithful. Look at the story as it continues in verse 22. It says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then it goes on on the next page, if I can get my Bible to flip pages. I think I flipped more than one page. Oh gosh! Oh, this isn't good. <clears throat> all right, so. Uh, is there, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. And so we see in the scriptures that Joseph chose to do not just what was honorable, not just a good thing, but he chose to do a godly thing. He chose to live by faith. You know, there are times in our life when we'll have it, our first inclination, our first thought, and it may be a good thing right? It may be an honorable thing. It may be culturally acceptable. It may be even, maybe even the people who are around us, our community, our peers, our family may say, that's a good thing for you to do. But that's not always a godly thing. It's not always the faithful thing. It's not always the thing that God has called us to do. You know, in this life, we have to wrestle with who are we actually following? Are we following our culture and what's culturally acceptable? Are we following our mind and what first comes to mind as being right or wrong? Or are we truly seeking deeply to follow God, to ask God, what is your will for my life? What would you have me to do in this situation? Because Joseph could have done something and none of his friends would have looked down for him because of it. Joseph could have divorced Mary, put her away privately, and no one would have thought bad of him for it. In fact, people would have elevated him and thought very highly for it. But God chose him to do something different. God challenged him to do something different. You know, part of being a follower of Christ is listening to God's, listening for God's challenges to us. This happens often as we're reading the scriptures or we're going through life. This often happens with a a deep feeling. Maybe it's unexplainable that I ought to be doing something different, that I should do this action, a prompting that happens deep down within, be sensitive to those. Right? If you feel that God is leading you to do something or calling you to do something, be sensitive to that. But also be sensitive to what's your own desire and will that may be wrestling with what God wants you to do you know, it's difficult to discern what God is calling us to do. I say time and time again, if only God would send an angel like he did for Joseph, like he did for Mary. And often it doesn't happen that way. So be sensitive to what you feel like God is calling you to do and be in the scriptures because it's there often that God speaks to us about what he would have us to do. So Joseph's story reminds us, But yeah, we're to discern and we're to seek and we're to try to understand what God's will is and not just to do what's honorable, not just to do what's good. Because a good thing is not always a godly thing. And so we see in this story, as we pick the story back up in Luke, that Mary and Joseph are now on this adventure together. That Joseph decided to take Mary home as his wife, to do life with her, to share his faith journey with her. And now they're on this adventure and you would think that things would go well for them. But that's not the story, right? Their journey faces more challenges as they proceed. In Luke chapter 2, we'll pick up kind of where our story left off last week. In Luke chapter 2, it says, and it's just these three verses, in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire roman world this was the first census to be taken while uh Qu- Quirinius was governor of syria and everyone went to their own town to register and so here you have pregnant mary who's pregnant for the first time with his young baby joseph who's decided to accept her and it would have been nice if they could have settled down in their home enjoyed life with one another had the support of their family But now this guy, Caesar Augustus, who was the Roman emperor, issued this decree. Basically, he said that everyone needed to go to their hometown because there's a census being taken. And you had to go there so that you could be counted. And this made their decision to follow God more challenging. And I don't know if you remember when we moved into this building. Our church, when we started earlier this year we were meeting weekly in Hapeville. we started january 20th over in Hapeville, and we started meeting weekly there and we when we moved into this building in may we had this series of messages we simply called uh, i think we simply called it move and, and we were talking about following god and we looked at the story of abraham and, and the first the first message was simply that, that god calls us to follow him and then the second message was when we choose to follow god things will not necessarily go well for you and this is what mary was experiencing She had made the difficult decision to say, I am the Lord's servant. Whatever you have for me, that's what I will do. And now she's finding that in her actual life, in her actual experience, that things are not necessarily going well. Here she is nearing the end of her pregnancy, and she has to travel from Nazareth, where they were living, to Bethlehem, which is about 70 miles. And 70 miles doesn't sound difficult to us, but walking sounds a lot more challenging. And so here they are on foot, Joseph with pregnant Mary, nearing the end of her pregnancy, and they're walking to Bethlehem. She couldn't ride a donkey. She couldn't ride a horse because the road would have been too bumpy for that. And here she is walking to Bethlehem. You know, the road to Bethlehem was a road of suffering and sacrifice for Mary and Joseph. It was a hard road. And in fact, God calls us to that road. When we choose to follow God, God never promises that things will be easy. But he promises that he'll be there with us. He promises that we're not walking the road alone. In fact, you could say that the Christian witness, how well we display how good God is and who God is, the Christian witness is is fundamentally dependent upon how well we suffer i love this quote by c.s lewis he says this i think i actually have it here it should be on the screen as well it says he says i didn't go to religion to make me happy always knew a bottle of port would do that you could celebrate or uh, uh, insert your favorite drink there right Uh, i didn't go to religion to make me happy always knew a bottle of port would do that if you want religion to make you feel really comfortable i certainly wouldn't recommend christianity You see, the road that God calls us to is often a road of sacrifice and a road of suffering. It's not necessarily an easy road to be on. But our witness as followers of Christ, how well we represent Christ, is fundamentally bound up with, is dependent upon how well we suffer Because God is calling us to not suffer as those who have yet to place their faith in Christ. Because we have a Savior, we have a hope that is different, and therefore we suffer differently. Now, some of you may have seen it on Facebook. Just yesterday, we had a um, memorial service here in the church of um, this guy by the name of Charles. I, mean, I don't recall his last name. I didn't know Charles. And I looked at Stacy this morning, and Stacy was wearing green, just like I'm wearing green. And I said to Stacey, God wants you to come up and tell this story of Charles. Because the one thing that I took away from this memorial service for him was that he had learned how to suffer well. So just listen to Stacy as she shares Charles' story.
1: Uh, truly, you know, there are times when you go, wow, that couldn't just be coincidence, um, how things kind of come together. Uh, our neighbor uh, uh, in Hateville, Charles and Rita Carson, and I don't know if you have been around Hateville events very much, but you might have recognized him. She was little tiny, and he was a little wiry man, and he always had his little hat on. And um, uh, for the past few years, uh, Charles was uh, suffering with uh, cancer. And the cancer had affected his speech. Uh, it affected his his eating. Um, for several years now, he had been on a liquid diet. Um, Charles physically was enduring a lot. And he was suffering. And we could, you know, from living next to him for, for quite a few years, we could tell that it was taking a toll on him physically. But the thing that I remember most about Charles, and will always remember the most about him, was... That he was absolutely the most optimistic person I have ever encountered in my life. When you would see Charles and say, hey, Charles, how are you doing? And you could obviously tell it was not a good day. He never had a bad day. It was always, I'm doing great. How are you? Are you how, how's it going? And this is the man that, like, as I said, you know, he, he, it was sometimes hard to understand him, but it never stopped him from talking. He loved his neighbors. He took care of his neighbors. When he couldn't eat anymore, he cooked every night for his wife, who he adored. He would show up at my house with a freshly made, still warm pecan pie, and go, I was just in the kitchen cooking some stuff. He couldn't eat it, but he brought it to us. Um, This was a man that in the midst of his chemotherapy and treatments for his cancer, on the days that he wasn't taking treatments for himself, he was driving his friend, who was also dealing with cancer, to his chemotherapy and radiation appointment. So on Tuesdays and Thursdays, Charles would go, and on Monday and Wednesdays, he would take his friend. And I never had deep spiritual conversations with Charles, but he was the best neighbor, and he considered us his family and you know and our relationship was you know just friendly but the more I hear people talk and the stories that were shared about him you just knew that as his faith and his journey in in loving the Lord and in committing his life to him as that increased you could just see the evidence of it. His generosity increased. His love for his neighbors and his neighborhood and the, the people around him increased. Um, this building was full, and people loved this man, and he will leave uh, a hole in our neighborhood because of the con- of the contact and the influence that he had with people. But to me, one of the most precious things was um, he is... Uh, Ongoing desire that the children that are being treated with cancer at Hugh Spaulding Hospital would have something to brighten their day. And so he made it his point to bring toys. He would collect toys and take them to Hugh Spaulding. And so at his memorial service yesterday, everyone, instead of flowers and instead of donating to Hugh Spaulding, they brought toys. And we just laid them all out up here in front, just to honor his memory and the things that were really important to him. I do think that the only thing that depressed him as Tom began to be, to draw near for him, and he knew that he was in hospice and he wasn't going to be able to come home for Christmas this year. um, I think the only thing that Rita said that really kind of depressed him was that he wasn't going to get to take the toys himself. But people honored that memory and they'll get a lot of toys at Hugh Spawning for Christmas for the kids this year. But I couldn't believe we were just talking. I'm like, I cannot believe that that's the point that you are making this morning when we just had that experience and sharing that yesterday with our neighbor, um, and just to see him, his life played out that way was just so evident. Of um, that, it's not always easy, but he he made it look incredibly wonderful the way he lived it out
0: you know, the reality is that our gospel, uh, the gospel, is lopsided if it only proclaims peace and prosperity and, we- and wellness and health. There's another side of life, right, that we all face and we all go through, and that's a hard road to be on. And Mary and Joseph found themselves on that road because Caesar Augustus issued a decree And she was pregnant and hoping to go through a good, easy pregnancy that every woman that's ever been pregnant has ever hoped for. But she found herself in the midst of pregnancy, going through the hardest time in her life. And it was related to what Caesar Augustus did. Now, he didn't do it just against her or to hurt her. And a lot of times there's things that will happen in this life that aren't directly connected to us and they aren't directly opposed to us and they weren't directed to hurt us or to injure us or to bring us down, but they do. And I think the question is, what's our Caesar Augustus? What's that thing that's making our our following God more challenging? What's that thing that's causing us to walk the road to Bethlehem? What's that thing that's testing our faith and making it more difficult to follow God? You know, often our first thing is to to gripe and complain and to reject that thing as though it doesn't exist. But in reality, when we suffer well, we embrace it. We see that it's there and we go through it, not as people without hope, but we go through it with the Lord. One of the things that I took away from Charles's service yesterday it was that he wasn't a perfect guy, but he was progressing in his faith. And the way I see this story, because I, I, you know, I, you know, let's just be transparent. We're, we're not all there yet. We wouldn't all suffer and go through chemo and treatment and face the end of our lives in the same way that Charles did. And the message that I heard there was that he hadn't been there all of his life, but that he was progressing to that point. You know, what would happen in our lives if we set that as the point toward which we're progressing? We're saying, I'm not there yet, but this is the point that I've set in my life that I want to be a witness for Christ, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it well. I'm going to learn to suffer well. You know, the scriptures challenge us as followers of Christ for the first century Christians, especially who are facing uh, death and stoning, especially right at the end of the book of Hebrews chapter 11. You might want to read that passage. It's just an interesting text to read, but it talks about followers of Christ in the first century being sawn in two, right? Being uh, fed to lions, facing death and persecution and stoning because of their faith. And the scripture says they did it well they suffered well and in the book of james it talks again about what it's like to suffer for our faith in james chapter one i'm going to read in verse two it says consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of many kind because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything And if you jump down just a few verses in verse 12, it said, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. And so I wish I could stand before you and say, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Follow him today and for the rest of your life. And there's no more suffering. There's no more trial. There's no more hardship. But that's not true. In fact, the gospel wouldn't be good news if the suffering was removed. The gospel would not be good news if the sacrifice was removed. And so there's this story of Jesus that began with suffering and sacrifice. And it calls us to a road, a road to Bethlehem that's often filled with suffering and sacrifice. But our Christian witness, our decision to follow Christ and our witness of Jesus Christ is fundamentally dependent upon how well we suffer. Our, our witness is fundamentally dependent upon how well we suffer. Now, I believe there's two things that we can learn here from this story of Mary And I'm sure there's even more than two things. And so read this story sometime during this week as we progress through this this Mary's narrative and on to the birth of Jesus next week. Um, But there's at least two things that we can learn from this story. And the first thing is don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. Alone. I want you to see the first thing in Luke chapter 2 that Mary did or Luke chapter 1 actually that Mary did when she heard the news that she was pregnant in verse 38 it says I'm the Lord's servant Mary answered may your word to me be fulfilled this is when she accepted God's will for her life and said I'm going to do this because I believe that the Lord's doing it with me and then look at the, the very next thing she did in verse 39 it says at that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting the baby in her uh, leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and then look at it says in verse 56 Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home Mary knew that she could not do this alone Yet she accepted the path that God had chosen for her. She knew that it would be filled with hardship and suffering. And she also knew that it was impossible for her to do it alone. And so she went to Elizabeth's house, whose husband was Zechariah, who was a priest. And so she went to someone who was much more spiritually mature than she was. And she knew that she would do life with them, that they would encourage her, and they would help her on this difficult road that lay ahead. I want to challenge you to ask yourself this question whenever you're in the midst of suffering, whenever you're going through a difficult time, who has God placed in my life that I don't have to do this alone? In fact, it's easier or it's it's, uh, better if we surround ourselves with someone who's more spiritually mature, somebody who's been on the road a lot longer than we have, someone like that intentionally before we face suffering before we face hardship and trial. Because the reality is God never intended for us to do it alone. You know, our tendency for a lot of us is to bottle it up, to stuff it, to hope that it goes away, to suffer silently, to go through hardship alone. You know, one of the hardest places to be is to be surrounded by people and to feel alone to be surrounded by a community to be surrounded by friends and still be walking a lonely road and that's not the road that god chose for us to be on in fact god knew that mary would be on that road if it wasn't for elizabeth i love even in the story when the angel tells her of god's plan for her life in verse 36 Uh, Look at what the angel says. It says, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. And so here God even sends this angel to Mary that says, "There's uh, there's another woman that's just ahead of you in this same journey that you're on. She's pregnant. Go be with her and allow her to help you, to support you because you were never created to do this alone and then when she returns home joseph had made the decision to take her as his wife he had fought the temptation to divorce her and put her away secretly he had fought that temptation and now they were able to do this journey together and i challenge you don't do it alone find someone that you can talk to Find someone that you can share your experience with. Find someone that you can, um, that can uh, pray for you, that can talk you through it, who can study the scriptures with you, who can believe God with you as you go down this difficult road to Bethlehem. Because our witness is fundamentally dependent upon how well we suffer. And God didn't give us the strength to suffer alone, but he gave us people who would strengthen us who would do this journey with us. So the first thing I want you to see is that Mary didn't do it alone. The second thing I want you to see is that Mary sang a song. So the first thing is don't do it alone. The second one is sing a song. Look at the um, in verse 46. It says, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Listen, that Mary did not sing of her turmoil. Mary did not sing of the suffering that she would go through. She sang a song of joy because she knew God was up to something and that God was doing something in her life and in this world and that her suffering was not suffering in vain. I love what Jamie says, and I think Jamie says that that Stacy says it to him, and I've learned this from him, and that's that God doesn't waste a thing even our suffering. That God doesn't waste a thing, even our suffering. And that God can even get the glory out of that. And so Mary knew that it was a difficult nine months ahead of her, but she sang a song. Now I know singing is not always the most comfortable thing to do, even in public settings like this. There was a time when I would come and I I, I, I would just stare at the screen. I refused to sing a song because I wasn't comfortable singing. I wasn't comfortable with my voice, um, and 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 I actually remember. This is uh, you know a little bit of transparency. It was actually in this very same building. This used to be the chapel for Point University. In this very same building, I had this this friend that was sitting next to me in chapel. He said, "Why aren't you singing?" and <laughs> we would come in here and we would sing, and I didn't want to sing. I, I didn't feel right singing. <laughs> And I began to sing and my voice didn't improve any, (laughs) but I found that there's times that I sing a song and God uses that song to bring life to my soul. You know, God values music. In fact, there's a whole book in the Bible that's dedicated, the book of Psalms. It's a book that's filled with songs that the early church used to sing, that God's followers have sung, and God does something powerful. God does something great through music music has the ability to reach down to the depths of our soul and strengthen our resolve when we're in the midst of suffering it has something to do with making us say words that we might not yet believe but yet we come to believe the more we sing it it helps us to praise god for he has done great things and we look back and we remember that god god has done great things i may not be experiencing those great things or they may not be as readily available to me or visible to me right now but god has done great things and I'm going to sing a song based upon what God is doing because I know that on the other side of suffering on the other side of sacrifice is a song of praise a song of joy and some more record that I can add to the story of God's faithfulness and I'll be able to look back and say he has done great things and I can sing that song not just because it was written a 100 years ago or However long ago, I can sing that song not just because it's in a hymnal or shown on a screen, but I can sing that song because it's true of my life. I love the fact that Mary burst out into song when she was at the most difficult place in her life because she knew that she wasn't created to do it alone and that God placed someone in her life for her to do it with, and that was Elizabeth. And then she knew that she needed a song to minister to the depths of her soul to bring her through the difficult time through the road of bethlehem that she would find herself on you know life can be challenging it can deal us some hard blows there can be hardships and sometimes during this season we're reminded of those things Sometimes it's because there's someone that was with us at one point and they're no longer with us during this season. Sometimes it's because of hard things in our relationship that we've been through and we don't want to remember them. And you see lights and you see Christmas carols and you watch Christmas movies that are all about joy and cheer. And that may not be the feeling that you're experiencing. The reality is that the season, um, this season, the Christmas season, Advent, is one of the most difficult times in our lives for many people. That often we're reminded then that we're on the road to Bethlehem and that that road is difficult. But when we gather in places like this, we're reminded that we're not on that road alone and that God created us to do it in community. And we gather in places like this, and we sing songs together, and we're reminded that there are songs that minister to the depth of our soul when we're suffering, when we're on the road to Bethlehem. It rejuvenates us and gives us life. Allow that to happen in your life. Let's pray. God, we're thankful this morning that you've, that you've called us on this road to Bethlehem. God, it's not an easy road to be on. And we would like for things to go well for us when we choose to follow you. But God, the scriptures teach us time and time again that our witness, how well we represent Christ, is fundamentally dependent upon how well we suffer. God, we thank you for Charles' example. God, we ask that you help us to count the examples of those who are around us to learn from them. God, I just pray that you help us to set a point that we can strive to. God, I just pray that we will continue to progress in our faith, that we'll be sanctified, that we'll be made holy. God, that we will find ourselves moving closer to you and that the more we follow you, that we'll find ourselves learning to suffer well. And that people will begin telling the story of who you are and what you've done. Not just because they've read it, but because they've seen what you've done in our own lives. It's in your son Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen.